had to get out of the way a little bit. <laughs> hey, good afternoon, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to New Life. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you, you guys. I know a lot of people are away. Uh, that's why the seats are kind of empty. Uh, we, we said, hey, look, last summer didn't count, so make this summer count. So uh, it is tremendously empty, but that is okay. That is okay because we are the, still the same church. And so thank you, everyone that's tuning in. I want to say hi. Uh, welcome to church. We are glad that you guys are here. Uh, Pastor Eric is away as well because uh, we all need to get away because this pandemic has been uh, tremendously uh, difficult. Uh, and, you know, I actually didn't know what Lauren was going to share and uh, just really moved by uh, uh, just what she had to share. Uh, and so, you know, I, I just want to encourage you guys. We don't do a whole lot uh, as a church, we're, we're pretty selective about what we do. Uh, homelessness is such a big problem, and everyone sees it, but we're not really sure what to do about it. Uh, and so we're like, okay, let's look at the experts because uh, we don't know exactly what to do. And so please, if you feel like you want to do something, uh, you know, serve at Union Gospel Mission. You can go on their website, give to them directly. Uh, you can give to the church. If we have anything that's left over, our commitment is to, you know, give it to them at some point. And so uh, if you're wondering, okay, if we... Uh, donate, and there's too much money to, you know, donate food. We're going to donate every other week uh, for this next year at the minimum, and we want to continue to partner with them. Well, uh, we are starting a new sermon series called It's On My Heart. Uh, the reason it's called It's On My Heart is because we get to share as speakers and pastors whatever is on our hearts, uh, which is kind of scary, uh, but it's also kind of exciting for me as well. Uh, this summer series, we're inviting, I believe, seven guest speakers uh, throughout the months uh, to speak from local areas as well as from California. And so I'm really excited to hear what God has to say because uh, New Life is just not the only church. There's so many other churches and we need to hear from them. We want to know how God is working through these churches. And so we told these speakers, hey, whatever's on your heart, uh, whatever God is speaking to you, like let us know because we need to be blessed as well. Uh, they were a little intimidated at first because like whatever, like, oh, you know, what can I speak on? Uh, but, uh, you know, super excited. Next week we have uh, Pastor Tim Pack speaking, uh, and I'm just so excited to hear uh, what he has to say. Uh, I get the honor of kicking off our series, and I prepared the sermon on Monday, which I didn't know is the hottest day uh, in Washington. <laughs> and uh, I'm so thankful for our staff. Uh, Monday's our day off usually, but they were willing to open up the doors. I saw many of you guys here uh, because I, I believe over 50% of Washington, actually, they don't have AC uh, and so our staff, uh, they are awesome, uh, and they, they kind of sacrificed this day. And, and, you know, as I was just writing uh, and thinking about, okay, what, what, what does God, what is he pressing on my heart? The word sacrifice uh, kept coming into my mind. Uh, this past summer and this past, uh, or not past summer, this past year, uh, just has been a really strange season, right, uh, of, you know, there was this COVID virus, and, like, who knew that masks and, like, hand sanitizer, like, we would have never guessed that that would have been a thing. Like, we would hoard these things, right? And now as we're kind of getting out of this season, uh, it's all about being healthy. It's like, oh, health, I got to be healthy, not physically, mentally. And so that's why, you know, people are kind of going away and all this stuff. And those things are important. Uh, but you, you got to realize Christianity actually doesn't, it calls us actually to give. It calls us to love. It calls us to sacrifice. And so uh, that's what we're going to focus on today, what it means to sacrifice, what it means to be a Christ follower, what it means to worship our God. And so uh, I'm going to ask you if you're able to, to uh, rise to your feet. 
We're going to read from Romans chapter 12, uh, 1 through 2. Uh, those of you guys online, if you could rise as well wherever you're at. Uh, Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2, uh, and, and I'll say uh, this is the word of the Lord. You can respond, thanks be to God, and I'll pray for us uh, as we begin this time. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. God, we just give you thanks today, Lord, because you are good, you are faithful, Lord Father. Some of us are going through uh, just a lot of things. We have a lot of burdens, Lord. Our, our, our feelings are all over the place, and yet... The reminder is, Lord God, wherever we're at, you are the same. You are the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. You love us and your grace is more than enough. So I ask, Lord, that you remind us of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you. We love you. We pray in your son's name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Uh, I want to begin with an uh, illustration that I read uh, just online. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a story about a chicken and a pig, a chicken and a pig. Uh, they're walking down the street, and they're just talking to one another, uh, and they see a sign on a church uh, that says, church potluck, everyone's invited. And uh, the chicken turns to the pig and says, hey, let's go. And, uh, you know, let, let's bring something. Let's make a contribution. And, and so the pig's like, what do you have in mind? And the chicken says, let's bring some bacon and eggs. And the pig's like, what? Are you kidding me? For you, that's a contribution. But for me, that's, that's a total commitment. That's, that's my life. That's a living sacrifice. You know, as we get into this conversation today, uh, you know, we have to ask ourselves as Christians and to God, are, are we making just a contribution or a complete sacrifice? Are we making a total sacrifice? My fear is uh, that some of us treat Christianity just as a, a contribution. But when it comes to surrendering our entire lives in worship, surrendering to God, we see it just as a mere contribution and not as a living sacrifice. But the thing is, but the thing is, God doesn't just want eggs. He wants the whole thing. He wants pork belly. He wants sausage. He wants everything. And that's what it means to be a living sacrifice. You know, Romans, uh, the, the, the chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And we just have one point today. That's just living sacrifice. And I, I want to just talk about and, and share what it means to be a, a living sacrifice, to worship and to follow our God. 
You know, the book of Romans is just really packed. Uh, chapters 1 through 11 is all about God's mercy for us, what he's done for us, his goodness, his grace, all these things. And as we move on to chapter 12, it says, therefore, in response to everything that God has done, therefore, what are we going to do? What does it say? It says to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, if you're a Greek uh, person at the time reading this, hearing about this, it's, you're going to have some difficulty. And the reason is uh, they actually disregarded their physical bodies. Uh, they thought it was just a vessel that was just, you know, kind of waiting until they get to heaven. But, but what Paul is saying is, you know, this is not the case. You got to present your entire body, not just, you know, the physical, the spiritual, everything. You know, God wants the whole thing, not just a little sample, not just a little piece of it. He wants everything. I know last week I went to Costco, and the samples were, were back. Praise God, I love the samples. And so, I, you know, I just got a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, and for many of you guys, you probably love the samples as well, right? Uh, you know, I remember just growing up, and you can get a whole meal sometimes out of just the samples. Uh, one of my favorites was the uh, chimichanga burrito when that first came out. Uh, but the thing is, they just give you like a little tiny piece, right? But I wanted like the whole thing and it's not like you could just go back and so, you know, I had to go back and buy a whole bag. You know, God doesn't want just like a little Costco sample of your life. He wants the whole thing. He wants the whole thing. And this requires you to be a living sacrifice. And I think this is actually what it means to worship God. This is what it means to worship God. You know, worship isn't just about singing praise songs on Sundays and, and all these lights. It, it's, it's not just about Sunday. It's about Monday, Tuesday, and the rest of the week. You know, the word worship literally means to bow down in the Greek. It, it means to bow down physically and to serve. And who are we serving? We're serving the Almighty God. And this requires a sacrifice. Now, if you're Jewish and you're reading this, you'll actually think, think of Abraham. Abraham in Genesis, that's the first time the word worship was actually used. When Abraham was committed to sacrificing his son Isaac. Like, think about that. He was willing to sacrifice that much. And we all know that that didn't happen. There was a ram in the thicket. But that's how far he was willing to go. It was a tremendous sacrifice. Or they thought of Moses and the Passover, you know, where they had to slaughter an innocent lamb and spread the, the blood on the doorpost. And you imagine, like, waking up the next day, the firstborn son is still alive, but they had to sacrifice an innocent lamb. Now, I've never slaughtered an animal, but, but it's a sacrifice. You're taking a life. Or they thought of Jesus, who died for our sins, who was hung on the cross, who didn't deserve it, a tremendous sacrifice. And yet we've gotten so comfortable, and I'm including myself into this, where we worship in a way where it costs us nothing. In fact, we even negotiate the terms, right? How little can I do and still love you? How little can I do and still love you? But to the readers, when they read this, they thought, no, worship. Worship costs something. Following Jesus, it costs something. You know, in 2 Samuel, there's 
it's, it's about David, and David's become king. And in chapter 24, uh, you know, I was reading this, and, and he does this uh, harmless mistake. You think it's harmless. He, he does a census of his people. Uh, and you're like, well, what's the big deal? He's just counting his people. But the thing is, the reason it's a big deal is he begins counting his men. He begins counting more on his men more than he's counting on God. He begins counting his men more than he's counting on God. But he realizes this and he repents and he actually makes a sacrifice. You know, look at 2 Samuel 24, verse 10, and then we'll skip to 24. It says, but David's heart struck him after he had numbered his people. And David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. Move on to 24. But the king said to Arunah, the king is David, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, that costs me nothing. David is repenting, realizes this, and he wants to make a sacrifice. It could have been for free, but he says, no, it needs to cost something because worship costs something. And what Paul says is that it costs us our life. We need to be a living sacrifice he requires you to be a living sacrifice. Now, that's kind of a paradox, right? How can you be living and how can you be sacrificed, which is dead? Like there's living and there's dead, living and there's dead. I actually don't think I fully, even now I don't fully grasp, but I, I didn't actually grasp it at all until I became uh, married. Like married people kind of know this, right? There's this weird thing that happens, like you're living, but you're dying. Like you get your way, but you don't get your way. Uh, like, who knew? Like, I didn't know going into marriage. Like, I didn't know that I had to talk about my philosophy on what kind of toothpaste that I want to use, right? Or, like, do I put the toilet paper, like, down this way or does it go this way? Like, we had to, like, discuss these things and uh, I had to die to some of these things. Or, you know, the philosophy of, like, what side of the bed are you going to sleep on? Because once you make that decision, it's a commitment for life. Right? It's a commitment for life. And, and guess what? You have to sacrifice your preferences when you get married. It's this dying to your daily attitude, your preferences every day. That is what God is saying in this passage. Worship is dying for God every day and requires uh, just a tremendous sacrifice. You know, Tim Keller, he's a theologian, he says, the problem of a living sacrifice is it keeps wanting to crawl off the altar. And he says the old sacrifices were no problem. You killed it and then that was it. They burned it, and it was over. A living sacrifice means every day, every hour, every moment, right now, you have to deliberately, consciously, continually, and perpetually offer yourself to him. It's constant. It's never over. It's intense. You're not living the Christian life unless you put to death the idea that you have a right to live as you choose. Paul says this is your spiritual act of worship. This is what worship is. This is what it means to be a living sacrifice. Living sacrifice. And then he moves on and he says, you know, if you want to do this, like, don't be conformed. In verse 2, do not be conformed to the world. Don't be conformed. And the dictionary says that conformed is just to make something like another thing. But when you read the Bible, there's an image of a potter and a clay, and, and the potter literally squeezes and pr puts pressure to shape the clay into what they want it to be. And Paul says, you know, don't be conformed. Don't be conformed to what? He says the world, the world, which is cosmos in the Greek, which means order, arrangement, a pattern, or a system of thinking. Paul says, don't be conformed to this system. 
Don't be conformed to the patterns of the world. Don't be shaped by the world because the systems and the pattern of the world are actually designed to leave God out. The system and the pattern of the world is designed in its very nature to leave God out. It's designed so you can worship the world and not worship God. And this will leave you completely unsatisfied. Completely unsatisfied because it wasn't designed for you. Isn't it true that, you know, there's this unsatisfaction? Like we buy something, but then it doesn't leave us completely satisfied. And Paul says this is a choice that we actually get to make between the world or between, you know, God, between being a living sacrifice. He says, I appeal to you, which is uh, really interesting because Paul's an apostle and he could have commanded us, but he says, hey, you get a choice. You know, I appeal to you. We get to choose between the world uh, or Jesus. But we weren't designed for this world, and so we won't be satisfied. You know, we think more money, you know, whatever, more things will make us happier, but really it's just like a caffeine buzz. Like, you know, we get the raise, we, we spend it, we get the things, and then once again we get unsatisfied and we have to refill it again. You know, C.S. Lewis, he says, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. We were made for another world. And I heard this pastor give this uh, story about a uh, scuba diving. And now, I've never been scuba diving before. Uh, I've seen, like, YouTube videos and uh, clips. I'm actually kind of scared of the water, if I were to be honest. Uh, but I've heard it's amazing. I heard it's like a whole other world down there. Like, we can't survive in the water if we stay there, right? In fact, you have to actually bring like an oxygen tank, something from our world down into that world in order to survive. You know, what I'm saying is this. Like we were not made for this world. That's the reason why we're not satisfied. That's the reason, you know, that we, that we have this unsatisfaction. But we have the oxygen tank. It's Jesus Christ. He brings us satisfaction. We... You know, we holy, set apart. That is what a Christian is. Holy and set apart, made for the kingdom of God. And then Paul goes on and says, you know, the way, the way we survive is, is this, but also to be transformed. He says, don't be conformed, but be transformed. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. In other words, conformed is this external pressure that's changing you. Transformation, it's an internal change. It's an internal change. You know, the word uh, metamorpho, that's where we get the, the, the word metamorphosis. Uh, that's a transformation. A lot of us, we think of like the caterpillar that turns into a butterfly. They're not the same thing. It's a completely new thing. It's not a better version of a caterpillar. A butterfly is a completely different thing. It's this outward change that's reflected in this inward reality. Now, how does transformation actually happen? And Paul actually says it's, it begins by the renewing of your mind, renewing of your mind. Everything great externally actually starts internally, and it begins with the renewing of your mind. And when I was in high school, I played uh, tennis. Uh, wasn't very good, but I was okay. Uh, but uh, my coach would tell me, hey, it's 90% it's mental, like 10% skill. And I was like, no, I think it's, I think it's skill. <laughs> I was like... He's like, 90% mental. But, you know, when you actually, you know, read and, 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 and if you get this from professional athletes, they'll actually say it's not even 90% mental. They'll say it's 100% mental. 
Because on the court, on the field, you know, wherever you're at, it's just you. It's just you and your thoughts. And what Paul is saying, transformation begins with your thoughts, begins with your mind. It begins by renewing your mind. And, and this is actually really just simple and practical. It's speaking the truth of God's word. It's speaking scriptures and prayers. Speaking the truth. You know, David, he's uh, the greatest worship leader of all time. He wrote down an entire psalm. Uh, I, well, most of the psalms, you know, prayers and, and the truth of of who God is, uh, just speaking them over himself. And he went through some difficult things. And that's what renewing your mind is. It's just speaking these prayers, speaking the truth of Jesus Christ into your life. Now, some of you, uh, you're not speaking the truth, but you're speaking lies. You know, there's so many lies. And, and what ends up happening is we begin adopting these lies. And for some of you guys, these lies began early on in elementary school, Right? You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're just faking it. And we bring this into our adulthood. And in fact, if we have kids, we, we bring this into our families. You know, you're not a good parent. Like you made mistakes. But the truth is in the Bible, and that's not God's identity for you. That's not God's identity for me. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. If you believe in Jesus Christ, the Bible says you are the children of God. And I have a couple kids. I have a daughter named Piper. Uh, she's uh, five years old. Uh, really selfish. <laughs> Doesn't really like sharing. Uh, but recently, she's been really into bubblegum tape. Uh, if you remember what that is, it's that pink thing. It's like a tape. Uh, and so, uh, you know, she wants to get it. Every time we go to the store or we go somewhere, uh, I like to get her just kind of a roll of bubblegum tape. Um, thing is, she doesn't really like sharing. And, I, and I'm like, hey, can I get a little piece of that? Uh, and she gives me like a tiny little speck, like the smallest piece possible. I'm like, hey, you know, I, I bought you this. <laughs> like, can you a little bit more? But sometimes she'll give me the whole thing. And she says, Daddy, like, I love you. I'm going to give this to you. And, like, it melts my heart. I kid you not. It melts my heart. And I think this is how God feels when we sacrifice and we worship him. Like, this is how he feels. It melts his heart. And we get a choice, you know, to respond in this way. It's like, you know, Daddy, I want to give you the whole thing. You know, worship is just a response of what God has done for us. It's the love that he's given to us. It's a sacrifice that we get to make in response to the love that we've actually already re received. And in fact, though, even our response, it's not good enough. We'll fail time and time again. But what the, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus paid the price and is more than enough. So we get to sacrifice because he sacrificed for us. And it's not one that we make for approval. It's one we make from approval. It's not for love. It's actually from love. We get to sacrifice because God has sacrificed for us. On the cross, when he paid for our sins. So, friends, wherever you're at, you know, I want to challenge you to sacrifice, to be a living sacrifice for God, I know it will be difficult, 
but it's just really a response to what he's given to us. And today, uh, we get to sacrifice and we get to worship by celebrating uh, communion together. And I'm so excited. You know, we get to gather together uh, just to celebrate communion. And I want to give a little bit of direction for you guys. You'll find on your seats um, just the, the cups. There's two peels. Uh, the first peel is the uh, the bread, and, and it's a little wafer. We're going to take it together. Those of you guys at home, you can just go and quickly grab some elements, uh, and then uh, we'll take the, the juice together. I'll give you just a quick moment to do that. Uh, here are now these words. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he said, take, eat. He broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Body of Christ, broken for you. Let's all take together. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. It's the blood of Christ shed for you. Let's all take together. Let me just pray for us, and then we can respond in worship. God, we just give you thanks today. We thank you for Jesus Christ, for his blood that was shed on the cross for our sins, which are many, Lord. And we, Lord, I, I pray, God, that, that we are reminded of this. And in response to this, Lord, we get to sacrifice for you, Lord. So I ask, Lord, that you challenge us to be a living sacrifice. Because that will bring us such great satisfaction, Lord, Father. In response to what you've done for us, Lord Father, not one from approval, not one for approval, but from approval, Lord Father, not one for love, but from love, Lord God. Lord, thank you for the cross. Lord, we love you, and we pray in your son's name. Amen. Good job.